Austin, what are you doing? You're throwing away your dream. No, No, Dad. Dad. I'm throwing away yours. Today is a pretty special recording. Right on the heels, I guess, or almost on the heels of our- <laughs> Right on the- just nabbing at the heels. <laughs> yeah, right before our two-year uh, podcast anniversary, we also have hit a huge milestone, which is our 100th movie. Can we call it the 100th movie, or is it the 100th movie episode? Well, wouldn't that be the same thing? Because we've obviously, we've passed 100 episodes because we have a couple episodes that aren't movies, you know? But by the context of this episode, Mm -hmm. is it the 100th movie? (laughs) Can we say? It does feel like a lifetime ago. It feels like it it could have been a different movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I will literally never in my life go back and listen to (laughs) our first episode ever because uh, I think it would be painful. So shout out to anybody who has listened to that. <laughs> My dignity would flatline, okay? My yeah. ego would plummet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> My confidence shattered. <laughs> we've uh, we've learned a lot. Um, we've grown a lot since our first episode. Those early ones are pretty rough. So anyone who discovered us later in the game oh, and yeah. went back and listened to those, I salute you. I don't know how yeah. you got through them, but you did. It's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we figured our 100th movie would be a great opportunity to revisit, you know, where it all started. Mm-hmm. So we are recovering 2004's A Cinderella Story. This is, I honestly could say like the movie that started it all. I mean, mm-hmm. when we brainstormed what we would even podcast about, like I think Hillary Duff was mm-hmm. one of the things that we kept coming back to, like yeah. Lizzie McGuire, the Lizzie McGuire movie, A Cinderella Story. Somewhere in one of my notebooks, I have notes from our first ever podcast meeting when we were starting the pod, (laughs) and we decided on, you know, this this theme of, you know, movies, Mm -hmm. and came up with the name, and we started making a list of movies that we would want to cover, and A Cinderella Story was the very first one we ever wrote down. Yeah, I just, when I rewatched it this time, I actually, I was considering whether to watch it on my TV like a normal person mm-hmm. one, or because I started watching it on my phone with my headphones in, and I was like, oh, actually, I love how, like, intimate this experience is. <laughs> like, yeah. I really enjoyed – because, I mean, when you watch something on a big screen, you're mm-hmm. usually with, like, other people. Like, I knew if I was in my living room, like, I would probably be talking to my boyfriend or, like, right, just right. the the fact that I would be, you know – not having a private moment right. while watching it. And I actually ended up watching the whole thing on my phone because I loved wow. how personal it felt. Oh, my <laughs> like god! It felt like a really personal experience to just be like, yes, my mm-hmm. headphones are in. I'm taking notes. Like, wow. really experiencing the pieces of mm. the movie. That's so funny because – so I normally – the way that I, you know, watch movies and take notes on them is I do it on my laptop so I have – the movie on the left side, I have my notes on the right side, and I'm bouncing back mm-hmm. and forth between them and like the script and whatnot. But this time I actually watched it on my TV. Oh, wow. And I took notes on my laptop. So we both had different viewing experiences this time, mm-hmm. which is very cool. 
Yeah, I felt like because I I also had my notes in the script and then my phone like leaning on my laptop, but it just felt like I was really getting every tiny mm. piece of the movie. Like we'll talk about it later on, but yeah. just the lines that I was like, wait, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, like what the fuck <laughs> is that? You had an immersive experience with the film this time. I was like, I'm at. What do they call it? San Fernando Valley High Valley High, High yeah. It's Valley High, yeah, whatever. Go bullfrogs. Go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, so because I have not re-listened to our first episode since, like, we put it out, I don't know if I'm going to be repeating the same jokes and observations. I don't know if we're going to be repeating fun facts. I don't know. You know, we'll just see, but... We do have uh, a couple of things. Obviously, this movie came out in 2004. We have Hilary Duff. We have Chad Michael Murray. We have Jennifer Coolidge. We have um, Julie Gonzalo and uh, Regina King. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Not too many big names in the movie. Yeah. I mean, other than our main our main yeah. people. I feel like Hilary, Chad, and Jennifer are probably um, the people that are thought of the most when people think of this movie. And Rhonda. Yeah, but Regina King has probably had the most uh, robust career out of everybody. Mm-hmm. Although Jennifer Coolidge, she's having like her comeback moment. Yeah, so. she's having yeah. a renaissance. It's um part of the, I would say being a bimbo is like really in now. Mm. And like in, in a way that's like, you know, taking back the word mm. bimbo and being like, oh yeah, so what if I'm blonde and like really <laughs> hot? I think that there's a bimbo renaissance. I I think so. Um, I did read that Jennifer Coolidge kind of credits this uh, new phase in her career to Ariana Grande because she was in the Thank You Next video. And ever since then, it was like she was brought back to, you know, public consciousness and then started getting calls and getting roles. And obviously she was in White Lotus. Like she has a lot of shit coming out right now. She was really great in White Lotus too. Oh, she's such a talented lady. Like so good. Amazing comedic timing. Yeah. Watching this movie again, I was like, oh, wow. She Mm -hmm. takes every line Mm -hmm. to the fullest extent. Yeah. Like I couldn't imagine this role being played by anyone else. No, no, not at all. She doesn't throw a single thing away. It's impeccable. So. This movie had a budget, pretty small for like a widely released movie, $19 million. And I think that they probably underpaid Hillary but, yeah. and everyone else in the cast. But mm-hmm. in the box office, it made a modest $70 million, but that's like $50 million in profit. So pretty good return. Pretty good. Hilary Duff also won a Kids' Choice Award for this movie. Mm-hmm. I was watching, uh, she did like a lie detector test for like vanity fair or something Uh, i love those i'll Mm -hmm. watch that after this yeah and they were asked they showed her like a picture of her with a kids choice award and was like they asked her if this was a career high and she was like (laughs) no (laughs) i don't even remember what that was for and then uh, they asked like do you have any of your kids choice awards displayed and she was like no they're in a storage locker somewhere like I think I have two or three storage lockers. I don't even know which one. Oh, my gosh. I was like, wow. She said, fuck a, a, an orange blimp. <laughs> yeah. They did also ask her if she ever wished that she was on Nickelodeon instead of Disney, and she said no. Okay. Um, she was like, maybe before I was ever on Disney Channel just to be on, like, you know, anything, maybe. But 
you know, she was very happy with being in Disney. And, you know, now she's working with Disney, I guess, technically again, because she's doing How I Met Your Father, which is Hulu, which is owned by Disney. Yeah. I just finished actually the first season today because uh, the latest episode just came out here in Canada. So it's good. I actually really, I really enjoy it. I think that mm-hmm. uh, we talked about this a little bit in the Perfect Man episode, how I think Hillary is really, really suited for a sitcom. She like really yeah. shines in it. I think that's one of the reasons why I think she's so good in a Cinderella story because it yeah. feels almost like a TV movie type thing. Yeah, totally. Whereas Raise Your Voice felt very like – Drama. Yeah, like harsh mm. and like really broad where I feel like a specific role, especially when she's in school. Like I think mm-hmm. she does a great job as like the student that you kind of want to befriend and you're like yeah. – you see yourself in her – yeah, and I think she really had set out of the park in this movie. And if she was given more roles like this when she was younger, I think we could have seen her in a lot more widely released films. Like, mm-hmm. I could see her being in a rom-com, yeah. like, when she was in her early 20s and stuff like that. But, yeah, maybe we'll see that in her 30s. Who knows? But, yeah, I oh, I do have a question for you. Did you feel any differently towards Chad M- Michael Murray watching a Cinderella story this time now that you have completed all of One Tree Hill? Ooh, okay. Well, <laughs> it's really <laughs> sickening because One Tree Hill, I mean, I, I might say some spoilers here, but like, y'all, it came out so long ago. <laughs> um, obviously, One Tree Hill begins. I'm like, Lucas, like, it's over. Like, yeah. I, mean, I have to break up with my boyfriend. <laughs> like, you're it. You're my dream man. Like, you're mm-hmm. him. And then he gets this fucking attitude. Mm-hmm. And he sucks so much. <laughs> but I, I do feel like I was able to kind of see those things separately. Like, he's 22 in this movie, so I can say, like, yeah, he's attractive. Like, I think he's oh, really yeah. handsome. Totally. But I do think um, watching it again – he kind of like sucks big time. Like, yeah, he fucking he's not necessarily a bad person, but he's so just um complacent mm-hmm. in in people being insanely rude. He's really complacent in like um he doesn't notice Sam ever, and they have so many interactions. Like, yeah, it's so cr- like crazy, cringe and crazy that he doesn't recognize her voice or the way Mm -hmm. she looks or any of these many, many signs. (laughs) So, yeah, I do think he's more narcissistic than I initially gave him credit for because he can't, like, see past what's revolving around him. Austin Um, is a very passive character. Yeah. Um, Like, we see time and time again him just, like, being very okay with his friends uh, being rude um, you know, sexually harassing people, yeah, incessant bullying. Like he just kind of <laughs> yeah s- takes a back seat and is like, "Oh well, rut row. I just have to go to USC." But like, I'm scared. Like, I don't want to <laughs> go to USC. I want to go to Princeton. Meanwhile, like his friend is trying to like rape his ex girlfriend mm-hmm. and like. Well, I, I honestly feel like Ryan, his other friend, he's like, I just try I want to play football, but Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy yeah. how much of a coward he is. Yeah, very much so. And I wonder what like 
the perception of him would have been if we didn't at least get like the whole like father pressure thing because that was yeah. Chad's idea. Like he brought the whole like USC I, I'm not throwing away my dream I'm throwing away yours. That whole thing was his idea. So I'm like was Austin literally just a what piece was- of bread? In the script? Yeah, I don't know what his personality would have been like mm-hmm. at all. Like, he needed to de- either – here are just some off the off the fucking dome. Yeah. You could have had him be maybe like – yeah, his the pressure from his father. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was more into poetry. Like, he was like, I spend all night yeah. writing poetry. Like, th- I wrote a book. Like, this is my whole thing, right? Right. Or he could have been like – I'm I'm like really a coward because my parents got divorced and like mm. I'm afraid to love or like like fucking something or even just have him be more apologetic like after his friends are assholes like he goes mm. up to people and he's like I'm so sorry. I just don't know. <laughs> he needed anything, anything. He's like a bottle of mayonnaise out here. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, clearly we have a lot to discuss, so we'll yeah. we'll get into it. But before we do, shall we do a couple of reviews? Oh, yes. All right. So, our first review for today is from Gabagool Lava. Big fan of the handle. It's a great one. And uh for you, we have picked the song "Say La Vie" by Bewitched. And this montage is actually inspired by my weekend last weekend, which is when I was doing my huge spring cleaning. So I think that in this montage, you have like your giant headphones on, you have like your pajamas that you don't really care about, and you're like, all right, I'm going to make this home sparkling. You throw on some Bewitched, you're scrubbing your shower, you are singing at the top of your lungs, you don't care who can hear you, who can see you, you are just scrubbing away, having the best time, in the best mood, You know, you go to your kitchen, you wipe that stove down, you organize your fridge, and at the end, you just have this beautiful, sparkling home that you can just relax in. I feel like you're describing what I'm about to do after we (laughs) record this podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, some inspo for you. Yes. The next review is for Emmy Rehema, and we gave you... Changes, originally sung by David Bowie. Very classic mm-hmm. song and a lot of, I guess, like early 2000s movies. Yeah, I mean, most notably Shrek 2. Yeah. And we gave this to you because you're experiencing changes in your life right now. It's a really mm-hmm. upbeat song. It's kind of just about facing what's next, the next chapter in your life. And in this montage, I picture you... You've just moved your last box into your apartment and you look around and you just really take in the fact that you have come to this place for a purpose to do something. Maybe it's the apartment you've always dreamed of and you're really proud of yourself and proud of all that you've accomplished and you're looking forward to really making a home for yourself and really thriving at this new location Mm. and maybe you like go into each room you like turn on the light and you're like you picture um how everything is going to look and then it's a jump montage so at the end of the montage your home is fully furnished (gasps) and designed and whatnot and it looks great gosh i love it i wish that was real life i wish that's what (laughs) happened when you moved if only 
So our next review is from Oh Dear Christine, and uh, we noticed in your review that you have gone and listened to every single episode of the pod, which is... Kudos to you. We are truly honored and humbled. That is incredible. And so since this is our 100th movie, we figured that it would be very fitting to choose a song from a Cinderella story. So Mm -hmm. we went right to that soundtrack and we selected Anywhere But Here by Hilary Duff. And in this montage, I see this as a falling in love montage, a classic, a favorite of mine. And I think you have just started dating this new person and we see these montages of all these different dates. I think it's like late summertime and we see you going to the beach and like taking pictures in the sand and like having a little picnic and then maybe we see you riding bikes through the park and then we see you like going to a street fair or something and you get some snacks and maybe like they like dip some ice cream on your nose or you like put like feed them cotton candy like all that kind of cute stuff wow. maybe you go on like a road trip and we see you driving through like the countryside maybe you want look at the biggest ball of yarn exactly yeah you're taking in all <laughs> the great wonders um there's like a moment when i don't know i'm gonna say that you're driving i'm gonna say you're driving and the person that you're with just like looks over at you and you just see on their face that they're like damn i'm so lucky And uh, we just have this beautiful, like, late summer montage that I think ends with the two of you watching the sunset and telling each other that you're in love. Beautiful. And our last montage of the episode goes to Ron and Hermione. And we gave you Hands on Me by the one and only Vanessa Carlton. Classic. We kind of wanted to run wild with the friends to lovers trope that Mm -hmm. Ron and Hermione have. I just picture this being, okay, you know what I'm thinking of? Like the the series Sex Life Mm. and when it cuts to her moments with that guy that she like used to be with for her husband. Brad. Yes, Brad. And it's like maybe you're at a club um, and it's like, a musician is playing and then you turn around he buys you a drink next thing you know we see you guys like making out on the brick wall that's like outside of the club or you know guy girl whomsoever but you know go on the back of their motorcycle they drive you around go to a diner and maybe you have like fries together but you don't stay there for long you go to a bar and it's just like very fiery and like a whirlwind. I love that. Wow. Things are heating up. We're heading into summer. Oh, yeah. But thank you so much, everybody, for the reviews. We appreciate them so much. They really mean a lot to us. And we are so excited to continue giving you your montage shout outs. We have, what is it, like 12 reviews to go? After this, maybe like 11. Okay, there we go. But without further ado, shall we head right into this film? Oh, yeah, I think it's time. We open to plinky plunky music, according to Christina. <laughs> um, but we see a fairy tale castle, a young Sam Montgomery, and we get the classic Once Upon a Time, a beautiful girl lived with her widowed father. There's definitely got to be some unresolved issues with Sam's biological mom yeah. that we never touch upon at all. Mm-hmm. We 
kind of like a zoom out of the snow globe that we are seeing on the screen. And it turns out it's not a faraway kingdom. It is the San Fernando Valley. And uh, we get this will be love that song Mm -hmm. and see a montage of Sam telling us how she and her dad were best friends while growing up without a mom made her more of a tomboy. She felt like she was the luckiest girl in the world. And we see them like playing catch together and just hanging out. Um, It's clear that her dad and her have a very tight bond. He really loves her. And her dad owned the best diner in town, Hal's Diner. At Hal's, everyone felt like family. Then we cut to Sam's eighth birthday party. She's about to blow out the candles on her cake and like contemplates what she could possibly wish for because her life is so perfect when Fiona falls into her father's arms. Mm. They fucking get married ASAP and (laughs) Sam gets two out-of-step stepsisters. The next thing we know, Sam's dad is reading her a bedtime story about a prince and a princess, and she asks him if fairy tales come true. And he's like, no, they don't, but dreams do. And it's his dream that one day she'll grow up and go to college and then someday build her own castle. And I'm like, sir, you are about to have a rude awakening about the price of real estate these days, but I digress. (laughs) Sam then asks where princesses go to college, and her dad is like, oh, they go to Princeton. She really internalized that. She literally based her entire, like, the trajectory of her entire life on this one comment when her dad was like, oh, Princeton, obviously. So he tells her that fairy tales are about following your dreams and standing up for what you believe in. And we hear the classic quote, never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game which until literally three hours ago i had always thought was just like a quote from this movie um it's a babe ruth quote yeah bro i did not know that (laughs) what (laughs) i don't know i don't follow sports i don't know quotes (laughs) no i guess no that makes sense i'm not dogging you for Mm. it but i was like well, because what I actually always think of is um, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Mm-hmm. That is Wayne Gretzky. I know that. What? Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyways, so I, I learned that today because I Googled the quote because I was like, is this from this movie or is this somebody, something that somebody said? It was Babe yeah. Ruth. Anyways, her dad then tells her to remember that this book, this fairy tale book, contains important things that she may need later in life. Please, what, what's the thing you always say? You're like, keep this in mind. This yeah. will be a useful this tool. This is a, a useful tool that will come in handy later. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking insane thing. I mean, we'll talk about that more later, but what an insane thing to do. I won't tell anyone where my secret fucking will is. <laughs> I won't tell Rhonda, no Mm -hmm. one at the diner. I won't tell you. I'll just allude to it vaguely. Mm -hmm. What the fuck is that, bro? You needed to have (laughs) some better estate planning. There should have been a lawyer with a copy of that will. Anyone who's done estate planning. Where's the notary? Anyone, someone, come on. Mm -hmm. She would have been the beneficiary on his life insurance. Like, yeah. How did Fiona get those checks? How did she get them cashed? She knew, well, because obviously, like, she would probably have to cash them because Sam was still underage. 
because Sam is still a minor, so she wouldn't be able to cash the checks herself. Like, damn. Also, like Fiona knew about it, as we know later on. She because she signed the will. Wait, you can cash a check as a minor, but probably your guardian can also cash it on your behalf. Mm. Okay, I see what you're saying. Right, I assume. I don't know. I think that. Okay, I won't get into it too much. It's a movie, but (laughs) there's a lot of fraud happening is all I'll say. Yeah, there's a lot of illegal uh, activity here. Mm -hmm. But anyways, so they have this little moment. He alludes to the will and suddenly an earthquake. We are in California after all. So (sighs) dad then hears Fiona yelling and Sam is like, no, dad, like, don't leave. Yeah, stay with your kid. Yeah. But he's like, I'll be right back, I swear. And we see the tragic shot of their hands <sighs> pulling away as he runs off. Fiona killed him. I <laughs> bet that he didn't even get smushed. Like, I bet that she, like, shoved him, you know? Yeah. She's like, oh, that bookcase is falling? Boom, <laughs> baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, Sam's father passes away. And since he didn't have a will... Fiona got everything, and Sam got moved up to the attic. Fast forward eight years later, Sam's life went from fairy tale to living hell. Mm. That's so strong, but I guess it's <laughs> true. It's like not great. We see her coming to, um, she's fallen asleep on her computer, and Fiona is intercoming her. She's like, Sam, Sam, bring me breakfast. What's Fiona doing, you may ask, that she's too busy? Sunning by the pool. The girls, Brianna and Gabriella, water aerobics. They look ridiculous. Sam brings Fiona her salmon. It costs a fortune to fly it in from Norwegian. Pretty great line. (laughs) And Fiona asks Sam why she's standing around and tells her to go to work. And Sam is like, Fiona, I have a really big test this morning. I need to study for it. Like, I can't go into work today. This is a school day. Yeah. I am. It's a similar thing with what we see in Gilmore Girls where they do so much before like school starts in the morning. So let's say what when do like American high school start at like eight, nine? Hmm. Let me ask Phil. Phil. Yeah. So he's not answering me, but I'll <laughs> say I think my high school actually started at like 730. Oh, my God. That's so early. Let me verify. Because my school started at 9. Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He said 7.35, I think. So it started earlier, but I'm pretty sure that we got out at, like, 1.58. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, 2. Ours was 9 to 3.30. Yeah. So with with that knowledge, let's assume – let's be generous and let's assume that Sam's school starts at 8, right? Sure. She has to wake up, make salmon, serve it, go work at the diner for, I'm assuming, like an hour? Hour, hour and a half, yeah. Yeah, like the breakfast service. Mm-hmm. Then she also has to go pick up Carter from school and obviously, like, get to school and, you know, go to class. I want to say her day begins at 9. We'll be, we'll be extra generous and give her till 9 Yeah, we'll be, we'll be yeah. extra generous because I could see, and in our, in our hypothetical world, Mm-hmm. The conversation that she has with Fiona mm-hmm. occurs at 6.30. So she got up at 6, mm-hmm. made salmon, whatever, did, yeah. did brushed her teeth for a half hour, bring her the <laughs> salmon. At 6.30, she's like, you know, you got to get to work for 7. Like, what are you doing standing around? Yeah. 7 to 8, 
Then she leaves, picks up Carter, goes to school. That's a lot of life to be lived before 9 a.m. <laughs> he couldn't, it could, could not be me. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. I could hardly, I lived five minutes away from school. Yeah. I had one job in the morning, get my ass into my mom's car. Hardly made it. Every yeah. day was a struggle. <laughs> yeah. Let's also not forget that California traffic. So. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know what the San Fernando Valley is like. If anyone yeah. if anyone has any insight, too, mm-hmm. if you went to high school in California, very curious because mm-hmm. it's so weird to see schools outside. Oh, my school is outside, but I was in Singapore. So Yeah. Anyways, I'll let you get back to it. <laughs> Damn it. We're, on a, we're already on these horrible tangents. Okay. So da-da-da-da-da. She's like, why are you standing around? Go to work. Sam is like, I need to study for this test. Fiona explains to her that school is for people to get smarter, to get a job, but she already has a job, so it's not relevant. (laughs) Sam runs to her car, and the sprinklers go off. She tries to turn them off. It's, like, Mm -hmm. so chaotic. I couldn't even deal with this at this hour. She's like, Fiona, there's a drought. And Fiona's like, "Uh, droughts are for poor people. Like, I'm keeping the water on. Do you think J-Lo has a brown lawn? <laughs> yeah. She also says uh, people who use extra water have extra class. Mm-hmm. But Sam, you know, arrives at the diner for her shift. It's no longer Hal's diner. It's now Fiona's. And everything is hot pink. Um, it's very camp. That is kind of funny. Yeah. I, I'll say it. I don't hate Fiona's diner. No, like, I think it's cute. I would eat there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not if I knew the owner was like a horrible rancid bitch, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although, would I eat there since all they seem to serve is salmon? That I don't know. Sa- lox? Bagel and lox? Yeah, that's true. I did also notice um, by the cash register, there's a little thing that says, ask about our salmon special. <laughs> um, so it's all it's all in the details. <laughs> they kind of go OD with the salmon. It's really enjoyable. Yeah. So – Samurai's at the diner. It's also like a very 50s vibe. Everybody is wearing poodle skirts and like roller skates. Mm -hmm. And we meet Rhonda. She like was obviously like next in command at the diner back when it was Hal's close family friend, mother figure to Sam. And she's telling the chef to quit it with the salmon. And he's like, well, Fiona ordered so much. I got to start putting it in the pancakes and stuff. (laughs) And that's when Rhonda notices that Sam is still working and it's almost time for school. So she's like, you need to go to school. But Sam says that Fiona's going to freak out if she doesn't finish. So Rhonda's like, you know what? Your dad would want you to be at school. Leave Fiona to me. Get out of here. All right. So next on, I almost said Hillary Duff, next on (laughs) Sam Montgomery's massive morning to-do list, Mm -hmm. she picks up her best friend Carter, aspiring actor. This is a note from our original notes. (laughs) Def went to French Woods. He walks out in a faux rapper <laughs> outfit and he asks his dad to look at what he has to go to school in. And we like pan over to Sam's car. It's a little beat up, but it's a really cute convertible. Like, yeah, it looks like something that people would now be like, oh my God, that's so vintage. It's yeah, like, like I'm going to restore this car. Yeah, yeah. a la Sydney Sweeney. Sweeney. <laughs> Sydney Sweeney to restore your car. I'm going to make a meme out of that. (laughs) Sydney Sweeney restoring Sam Montgomery's car. Oh, my gosh. Um, And so at that moment, we learn that 
Carter has totaled three cars. Are you joking? Yeah. So he gets in the car and Sam is like, what are you wearing? And he tells her this is his Snoop Dizzle look. Christ. He is a method actor and it's a part of his training. And Sam makes him go back inside and change. And I'm like, what time is it? That <laughs> <laughs> you have the time for him to go back in and change. Mm-hmm. So thank God she makes him change, though, because that... Yeah, for the best. Yeah. So we go to school. We have our first uh, meeting of the announcer girl, who I learned yesterday. Her character actually has a name, and it's Astrid. Astrid. Yeah, I, I also learned that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> So she's, you know, on the intercom. She's talking about the drought, the upcoming Halloween homecoming dance. And that's when the principal comes up and, you know, makes her do the Pledge of Allegiance instead. And to this day, I know the American Pledge of Allegiance because of this movie. That's really funny. Yeah. So Sam is about to pull into a parking spot when she is very rudely cut off by Shelby Cummings and her gal pals. They're, like, the most popular girls in school. They're very preppy. They're in, like, their little polo and mini skirt combos. Carter is obsessed with Shelby. He's, like, she wants me so bad. And Sam is, like, you've literally never spoken to her. And he's, like, I have in my mind. And in my mind, Shelby wants me so bad. <laughs> so Sam then tries to pull into another spot when she is, again, very rudely cut off. Oh, yeah. By... Austin Ames and his cronies. And we get the classic slow-mo walk as he gets out of the car and like the slow-mo like click click as he locks his car doors. Sam is staring at him. She does kind of slowly come out of it and she's like, oh, people like Shelby and Austin are genetically programmed to find each other. And that's when the popular kids start making fun of Carter and Sam. They're like, oh my God, Stockerazzi. And Shelby goes, the white zone is for cool people only, no geeks. And we get the first mention of Diner Girl, because (gasps) apparently it's embarrassing beyond degree to have a job in this high school. I kind of get the feeling that it's – so on watching it this time, I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't know if it's the fact – that she has a job because no one tells like Gabriella or uh, Brianna like, oh, you're like diner gal, like whatever. I think it's just the fact that she is only ever at the diner. Mm. Like she like spends morning to night at the diner. Maybe. And she doesn't have any like friends besides Carter. Oh my God. I hope, well, I mean, he obviously is at the end of the movie, but like at this point, can you imagine being Carter and you only have one friend and she's like, yeah, I'm graduating a year early. You got to do senior year by yourself. Bro. <laughs> Dude. Well, I think that he has the drama club. Yeah, I guess so. But pretty rough for sure. Yeah. We go inside the school building and Shelby and her clique. Madison and another girl, I don't know her name, mm-hmm. walk down the hall telling everyone to move. And Brianna and Gabriella are so hungry to be a part of the popular girl clique. They try to talk to Shelby, but like the girl's just a breeze past her. And Sam runs into Terry. I don't know his name, but he's in um, Big Bang Theory. Yeah, he plays um, Howard. Howard, yes. And he has a big crush on her. But he also thinks that, like, aliens exist and he has, like, a 
radio that he is trying to get signals from. <laughs> I can't. I can't tell if it's like he thinks that that aliens exist, or if it's like he's mm-hmm. in some sort of like like role playing. Mm. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. But he is, you know, he's into some weird shit. Mm-hmm. So Sam's like perfect. Like this is the only guy who pays a speck of attention to me. Yeah. Um, and Sam's phone rings. She gets a text from <gasps> who? Nomad. <laughs> telling her it's been ages since they talked. But really, it was just this morning. <laughs> so she also in her busy morning found time to talk to Nomad. Add it to the list. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he tells her that he thinks Professor Rothman has dissected one too many frogs. Sam looks around and actually sees him, like, in the courtyard, mm-hmm. e- like, eating an apple, but, like, it's falling out of his mouth. It's super, it's super fucking weird. It looks like eggs. It looks like scrambled eggs or something as it's falling oh, out of gross. his mouth. It does not look good. So Sam is like, we can both see this teacher. Like, where is he? And looks around, but she can't find him. And she sends back, LOL, and he's like... Laugh uh, out loud. <laughs> yeah, laugh out loud. He's like, I would love to hear you, LOL, and asks when they can finally meet. And she tells him, soon, exclamation point. Later on in the day, they're at it again, and Sam asks if he thinks they've ever met. Nomad is like, there are 3,500 people at their school. And says, I could be surrounded by a sea of people and still feel alone, then I think of you. Oh, my gosh. Like, if a guy in high school told me that, I'd be like, a year done. (laughs) I'd be like, we're married. (laughs) We're married. It's done. I don't know if we said it, but it is revealed that Nomad is, in fact, Austin Ames. Yeah. Um, I actually think in our first episode, I talked about... (laughs) I talked about how the scene where they're in the computer or they're in like the library and there's the computers on like opposite uh, sides that reminded me of Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet when they look at each other through a fish tank. Um, So I was really making some high level uh, (laughs) comparisons here. (laughs) Some really like high art. Mm -hmm. So we get this whole montage you know, they try and figure out if they've met before. And he's like, oh, if you're catfishing me, I'd have to kick your butt. And she's like, no, I'm not a guy, I swear. And she asks if he's told his dad about Princeton yet. And he's like, no, I haven't even told my dad I want to be a writer. And for some reason, Sam's response to this is like, oh, my dad always supported me to follow my dreams. So it's like, LOL sucks for you, but my dad... (laughs) Well, honestly, good for her because she is like such Mm – her life is a shithole now. Yeah, it is. It is. (laughs) And he's like, I could probably stand up to my daddy, but then I'd be scared. He'd take away my car. (laughs) Sorry, that's my sexy baby voice, but, you know, change to be Austin Ames. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved it. Mm-hmm. So Austin's like, yeah, my dad has this whole plan for my life. And Sam realizes that it's 2 a.m. So obvious, So she's also staying up really late to talk to Austin. So she's probably getting like three, four hours of sleep every night. Oh, yeah. So she's like, I need to turn in. But then Austin stops her. And he says, wait, I can't sleep without knowing there's hope. Half the night I waste in sighs. In a wakeful doze I sorrow for the hand. The lips, the eyes, 
for the meeting of tomorrow. It's fucking Tennyson. (laughs) Wow. Just pulling out the Tennyson quotes at 17. Very casual. But I love his voiceover, too. He's like, Mm. for the hand, the the lips, the the eyes, eyes, for the meeting of tomorrow. And I'm like, meet me (laughs) on the basketball court. Okay. Mm-hmm. My car broke down. I call you. You pick up my broke down car. You don't I'm know a me. Bitch. <laughs> you don't know me. I would be so curious actually to see Chad Michael Murray do Shakespeare. I would be so curious to see because I'm he, very curious. He he does have, you know, the the love lorn tortured dude thingy going. His face, yeah. Mm. I wonder. I, yeah, I wonder if he has the chops. Yeah. Maybe he needs some TK acting lessons yeah. first. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I would be curious. Mm-hmm. At the end of this convo, Austin does tell Sam that he's going to be waiting for her at the Halloween dance in the middle of the dance floor at 11 o'clock. Whoa. Yeah. Sam talks to Carter about this plan And she's like, I don't know. But with Carter's encouragement, decides to go to the dance. He tells her she has to go because he's not going to be in one place for long and offers to take her. So very kind on Carter's part. Sam gets a call from Fiona and says that uh, someone got into her salmon and she needs more. And also tells her to pick up her dry cleaning and wash the jag. I literally never noticed until this watch around. I always thought she said some little rat got into my salmon. But according to the script that I was looking at, mm-hmm. it said some little brat. And I was like, oh, I always thought she was literally being like a rat ate my salmon. <laughs> we learned something. Yeah. New. We're just really digging into mm-hmm. this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Sam hangs up. She's like, gotta go be a slave to this woman. And Carter's like, why do you act like this? And Sam says, very simple. Without Fiona, I won't have any money to go to Princeton. I do wonder what she thinks. I do wonder why she thinks Fiona would give her money for that mm-hmm. out of, you know, all of the time she's been so awful to her yeah. that she would suddenly invest like $100,000 for her Ivy League education. Yeah, <laughs> But... No, whatever. I don't even think I said, but they are on a baseball field. Like, yeah, they're playing um, some baseball. Carter's throwing her pitches. So Sam hits one more pitch before leaving and just knocks it out of the park, imagining it's Fiona's face on the baseball. And it lands in the football field where Austin is passing a football with his friend. And he's impressed. And his friend is like, you know, what are you and Shelby going for at the dance? Austin reveals that he doesn't know if he's going with Shelby. Mm. And his friend is like, you know, what? Like, who are you going with? And Austin says, it's a mystery. So then we go over to Big Andy's car wash. Austin's father, he is Big Andy. And he is, you know, helping his employees place a sign saying like 30% off for all USC alumni. So like clearly he's a big USC man. That's where he went to school. Oh yeah. He then goes over to Austin. He's like, Hey Austin, what's up with these college brochures I found in your bedroom? 
And Austin's like, uh, I'm just keeping my options open. And Big Andy says, you don't need any options. We've been working towards getting you to USC since you were nine years old. You're going to go there. You're going to play ball. You're going to graduate. And then you're going to come back and run the car wash with me. Perfect. Yeah. Love. Mm. Love. No spontaneity. No, no decision making. No. Perfect. Passion. No place here. Who is that? Who is she? <laughs> so Sam then pulls up in the Jag to get it washed. And Austin comes over and he's like, oh, you need a wax. And she's like, excuse me. And he explains that it's for the car. So, you know, he writes up her little receipt, and that's when the twins roll up in their Volkswagen bugs, absolutely covered in dirt. And they're like, Austin, Austin, we need our cars washed. Yeah, look at all the dirt. And he's like, one second, ladies. So he goes inside. The girls are like gushing over how cute Austin is. And Sam is like, oh, so who did you pay to get your car so dirty? And then there's this whole, like, dirt police back and forth. Like, are you the dirt police? Whatever, whatever. And the twins tell Sam that Fiona is looking for her and she's at home baking. Mm, baking, you say? Mm. Yes, in a tanning bed. Yeah. I actually looked it up because I was curious how much they cost, just because I have no frame of reference. And they can cost mm-hmm. some, like, anywhere between 2000 and 6000 plus. So quite the investment. It's a pretty penny. Yeah. Sam arrives home. Fiona gets out of her <laughs> tanning bed, butt-ass naked. Mm. And she's like, you know, I need you to work the night shift. And Sam is like, Oh, it's actually my night off. Like, I need to go to a Halloween dance at school. And Fiona tells her that there's something she's always wanted to say to her. You're not very pretty and you're not very bright. And she's like, oh, I'm so glad we had this talk. Oh, my God. Sam is on the verge of tears. Mm-hmm. She's crushed. She, what is she, like 17, 16? Like, 16, 17, yeah. That would be so devastating to hear mm-hmm. as a teenager. Yeah. So Sam leaves and Fiona sits back on the tanning bed and it just closes on her ass, totally burns her. What do we see next? Sam working at the diner. She sees the popular people, Austin, Shelby, and their crew settle into a table and she's like, fuck me. We then see Fiona grabbing some uh, cash out of the cash register and she's like, I'm going to go pick up Brianna and Gabriella from the dance tonight, and I'll be back by 12 a.m. sharp. And uh, I think Rhonda like, makes a crack at Fiona where she's like, oh, I'm surprised there's still room in there for you to stuff money in. And uh, we have this horrendously racist line from Fiona, if it isn't little Betty Crocker from the hood, and uh, asks Rhonda if she has something to do, like cleaning toilets. And Rhonda says, you know, I would, but I'm too busy running this place, but you can be my guest. They have this, like, little back and forth. Fiona starts getting on her about not wearing, like, the skates or the uniform or whatever. And Fiona's about to threaten to fire Rhonda when she's like, oh, please, go right ahead. See how many customers you have left when you do. And Fiona says, I am a very appealing person. Uh, I gotta say, Rhonda, pretty much in charge of this whole operation. Oh, for sure. For sure. So Rhonda goes over to Sam and they mock Fiona. And Sam tells her that this is why she's graduating a year early to go to Princeton, 3,000 miles away. And Rhonda's like, you could get a scholarship to Mars. 
still wouldn't be far away enough. So Eleanor comes up to Sam and she's like, honey, I'm swamped. Can you take that booth in the corner? Who should be at the booth? Mm. Austin Ames, David, I think Ryan. Yeah. And Shelby and her gals. I would be pretty, pretty not into doing that if I were a waitress. So Mm. I get it. Then Sam comes over and Shelby asks her if they have anything fat-free, sugar-free, and carb-free. Sam suggests water and Austin laughs, but Madison asked her if that was supposed to be funny. And Shelby's like, um, I'll have a Foss. Sam doesn't know what that is. Literally great fodder for them to, again, mm. make fun of her. It's uh, it's water from Norway, which is like the second mention of food Norwegian from, food and drink. Yeah, so I'm like, is this movie sponsored by Norway? What's going on here? Yeah, Norway, come visit. <laughs> we have water and salmon. So, you know, everybody laughs at Sam. They end up just ordering iced tea and off she goes. Then Austin is like, hey, Shelby, can I talk to you privately? And she says, anything he wants to say to her, he can say in front of her peeps. Crazy to do that. Austin's like, okay, I want to break up. (laughs) She's shocked. She asks if he's in love with someone else. And he says, yes, um, but they can still be friends. But she cuts him off and she's like, don't say friends. You know what? I'm going to overlook this little mental breakdown of yours I'm going to get ready for the dance, and I'll see you there. So everybody dips out. Austin is left with the tab. Sam comes back, like, with the iced tea, and he does try to pay, but she's like, don't worry about it, and he leaves. And, like, while obviously Shelby sucks and, like, is not a nice person, her boyfriend has been cheating on her for, like, months. Yeah, I would say, I guess, mentally, emotionally. Yeah, emotionally cheating. After Austin leaves, Carter pretty much immediately bursts into the diner dressed as Zorro. And tells Sam that he's got the keys to his dad's Mercedes tonight, uh, but is promptly disappointed because Sam is like, I'm not going. Rhonda finds out about the cyber guy, Nomad, and is like, oh, who's been sending you these love letters? And says that if a man is taking his time to write his feelings for you, it's a love note. This is your true love. You are going to that dance. And Fiona is going to have to go through me to get to you. Carter keeps calling Rhonda girlfriend. This is like a whole other Mm. thing. She's like, stop. Yeah. So Rhonda tells Sam that her dad would not want her to be unhappy. She needs to find her bliss, starting with the dance. The whole diner staff joins in and tells Sam that she should enjoy herself. Um, Sam gets psyched up and says that she does deserve to have some fun, but she doesn't have anything to wear. And Rhonda's like, I got you covered. We get this whole montage of all these costumes that Sam is trying on. She tries on like a porky pig costume and like a knight costume and a mm-hmm. witch costume, whatever. Then, because none of these are fitting, Rhonda finds an, the iconic white masquerade mask in the display case. And the shopkeeper says he doesn't have anything that goes with it. But Rhonda's like, I do. So we go to Rhonda's house and she brings out this giant garment box saying she was saving this for her next attempt down the aisle. And I'm like, give me that backstory. I want to know more about that. I would like the Mm -hmm. juicy deeds. Yeah. It's this beautiful wedding gown. And she tells Sam that it's been in the box for so long. It deserves a night out. 
And this dress is actually designed by uh, Monique Lelier. And I found like a quote from the costume designer talking about how originally when they were trying to figure out what dress they wanted Sam to wear, they were kind of pulling inspiration from the original like Cinderella using all these like colored lit like fabrics and iridescent blues and stuff like that. But nothing was really working. And when they camera tested it, it just looked crazy. Like it did not show up well on camera. So they decided to go for something more classic, almost like a wedding dress. And they had this vision of her in white. So they ended up finding this dress. It was perfect. And, you know, they tried on a lot of different masks before they finally settled on this one. And uh, that is how we got this iconic look of Sam Montgomery as Cinderella. I love it. At the Halloween dance, that was maybe um, has like a million dollar endowment. <laughs> this yeah. place is Huge. fucking gigantic. Yeah. So big. The school must be really, really well funded. Mm-hmm. Everyone is parting it up. They all have incredible costumes. Um, Astrid, the announcement girl, gives us some exposition about how the teachers will be picking homecoming court based on their costumes. Gabriella and Brielle. Gabriella. Gabriella and Brianna are Siamese twin cats. Mm-hmm. So they're Siamese cats, but connected like Siamese twins. Mm-hmm. It's not great. It's not great. They knock into people dressed up as salt and pepper and Shelby and co as Charlie angels. Oh yeah. And then there's this like line, which I've never noticed before because obviously David and Ryan are dressed up as the three musketeers. Yeah. Apparently, like, it was supposed to be a group costume where Austin was also going to be one of the musketeers. Mm -hmm. But as we all know, he is dressed up as Prince Charming, which I guess I just always assumed that, like, he was like, nah, I'm not wearing that costume. I'll find something else. But there's this one throwaway line where Ryan is like, oh, sorry about your costume getting lost. So that's why he's dressed as Prince Charming. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Carter and Sam come in. Sam is super nervous to take off her cape and her mask, and she's kind of freaking out. And Carter reminds her that she has to be back to the diner by 12. So he sets an alarm for her cell phone, and she finally um, hands over the cloak that she's wearing. We get the iconic entrance uh, announcer girl Astrid spins my favorite song of the movie, Best Day of My Life, which for the soundtrack is Jesse McCartney, but the one that they play in the movie is actually somebody else. Let me find the artist. Robert Palmer is who sings it in the movie. Gotcha. But everybody looks to the staircase and we see Sam Montgomery in all her glory. We have the slow zoom on Austin, spotlight on Sam as she walks down the stairs. This is like one of my favorite types of moments that we see in like a lot of rom-coms, like the girl in the beautiful dress descending down the stairs, boy in total awe of her. It kind of reminds me of like what they talk about in 27 Dresses where it's like, oh, yeah, when the bride walks in, I look at the groom. Yeah. It's like that kind of moment. Um, but, yeah, she looks absolutely incredible. Shelby looks at her and she's like, love her dress. Hate her. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, this is David from the Piecing It Together podcast, a podcast about movies and the movies that inspire them. For over four years each week, a guest and I take a look at a new movie through the lens of what other movies we think were either an influence or connect in some other way. It's a fun, unique way to discuss films that leads to a great list of other movies to check out that either explore the same themes and ideas or maybe utilize similar filmmaking techniques. Including special episodes in our side series that twist the format, we've done over 200 episodes, so there's bound to be one on a film you've been thinking about and want to dig deeper into. So check us out on all the major podcasting apps and at piecingpod.com. Carter leads Sam to the dance floor and says that any guy would have to be insane not to like her. And he kind of like lets her have her space. And we hear... Do you know you're standing precisely in the middle of the dance floor? And guess who it is? Yep, it's Terry, dressed as Neo from the Matrix. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. It's it's a lot to <laughs> handle. Mm-hmm. And she's like, are you nomad? And Terry's like, nomad, indeed. I have traveled through time and space <laughs> to find you. Now join me in the mating dance of Zion. And just breaks out into this, like, insane song. Mm-hmm. Terry um, spins Sam around the dance floor before going to get her some punch. He, she's like, um, yeah, I'm so parched. <laughs> Libations you could just for the lady? <laughs> please leave me alone. <laughs> then Austin Ames comes up and um, calls her Princeton girl. So he doesn't play any jokes. He's yeah. like, what up, Princeton girl? Sam is shocked that Austin Ames is nomad Mm -hmm. and he just doesn't recognize her at all. Blank, what is it? Um, No thoughts, smooth brain. Yeah, head empty, no thoughts. Head empty, (laughs) no thoughts. So, you know, Sam starts to run off. She's like, this is crazy. Like, I don't know what I've gotten myself into and says that this was a mistake, but he stops her. He's like, you're who I've been waiting for. You know, I know who you are. What, what's your name, though? <laughs> so Terry comes back and concedes to Austin. He's like, okay, a worthy opponent. He's like, a devastating blow. <laughs> yeah, a devastating blow from a worthy opponent. Yeah. Of course, Sam is wondering what happened to Shelby. Mm-hmm. And Austin's like, done. Done so. It's over. As of about 30 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. So... Sam is shocked that her, you know, closet boyfriend is football captain, studi body, studi studi body president. Imagine meeting a guy online. You meet him in real life. You're like, Timothy Chalamet? (laughs) There's been many a fan fiction. Or who's someone more like rugged? You're like Jason Momoa? (laughs) Like, you pretended to be, like, a skinny nerd online. Yeah, in a a chat room. (laughs) In a chat room? Yeah. So, I would be pretty shocked Mm -hmm. if I was, like, in a similar position. I went to high school. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I probably wouldn't want to show my face either because especially if you've interacted with that person, you're like, okay, do they already have preconceived notions of me? Are they going to like not like me anymore so yeah and like austin doesn't seem like he doesn't seem like a bully like he doesn't really do anything yeah but he doesn't seem like a nice guy no he's not like oh you know i'm everyone's friend no yeah (laughs) he's clearly a bystander so yeah 
And so Sam is like, who are you? Because you can't be both. And Austin says he isn't. On September 7th, I wrote you, I live in a world full of people pretending to be someone they're not. But when I talk to you, I'm the guy I want to be. And he asks her for a chance to be that guy. And they go for a stroll out in the garden. But who sees them? Mrs. Wells. Mm. She makes a little note on her clipboard. Yes, she does. So Sam and Austin go for their stroll outside. It's in this like beautiful garden. It's like the set dressing is really, really good. Like it looks like there was just a wedding. Yeah, exactly. There's like all these beautiful white flowers and like there's ivy crawling all over the place. And uh, they decide to play initially 20 questions, but Sam is like, I'll give you 10. So he asks if she really goes to North Valley High, and she says yes. He asks if she was disappointed when she found out it was him. She says no. He asks if she voted for him for class president, and she says surprisingly yes. And I'm like, you're asking a lot of questions about yourself here, bud. I would have to agree. <laughs> yeah. Not like, where do you – do you have any siblings? Mm -hmm. Are you close with your family? Like, What kind of music do you like? like yeah, <laughs> what kind of music – what shows do you watch? What's your favorite movie? Mm -hmm. I guess – do they have to be yes or no questions? I guess probably. Yeah, they do have to be yes or no questions. But still, he's only asking stuff about himself. Yeah, I agree. It rubbed me the wrong way. Narcissist. Mm -hmm. So then he asks her if she would prefer a Big Mac or a rice cake. And she's like, a Big Mac, mm -hmm. obviously. Dad. And he's like, well, you just eliminated half the girls in our class. And I'm like, oh, God, the amount of like disordered eating talk. Oh, yeah, she's not like other girls. Yeah. She likes, you know, uh, baseball and and food. Yeah. <laughs> And she doesn't care about her hair. It's like ugly, but she doesn't care about it. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, it's your classic. Your classic. She's not like other girls. And so he's looking at her and he's like, you'd think I'd remember those eyes. They're so beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, you'd think. You'd think someone would recognize somebody based on the fact that they're just wearing the tiniest their mask eyes, in the world. Their lips, mm. their head shape, their yeah. hair. All of those attributes are like if someone was like, you reported a crime, I need to do a composite. Yeah. They would ask you specific <laughs> questions. It's truly insane. It's enraging. I'm like, her voice? You can't recognize her voice even? You were just talking to her like 30 minutes ago. Brother. Yeah. Anyways. While all this is going on inside the dance – David takes the opportunity to approach Shelby and is like, you know, now that you and Austin are done, you and me can get together. And he's like, come on, baby. Ugh. And like backs her into a corner. Carter spots this happening and stops him. He like tells him to back off and kind of like points his little Zorro lance at him. <laughs> David grabs his sword and breaks it in two. Yeah. And I'm like, not for nothing. Uh, David absolutely looks like he could kick Carter's ass. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. confirmed. So yeah. Carter runs away and actually jumps off of the balcony that they're standing on. I do love the detail of him, like, swiping the hat like Zorro does. Yeah, He's it's like, very performative. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty insane he doesn't break his ankles. Yeah. His, <laughs> fragile, his fragile ankles. His fragile bone structure. <laughs> and... 
David chases him around the bar, you know, turns out their stairs. He can get down from the balcony. Mm-hmm. So they have this mad dash. I do like the imagery of Carter crawling on the bar <laughs> yeah, top. it is good. <laughs> and they finally be- get face to face again. And David's like, I've got you cornered. And he's like, <laughs> love this line. Carter says, I was in Pirates of Panzans three summers in a row. Say hello to Act Two, Scene One, <laughs> and flips up the bar, and he fucking David gets shocked. He gets thrown into a pile of pumpkins and just mm. out like a light. Yeah. So then, what happens next? Oh, Shelby whispers into Carter's ear, and he nods. Mm. Meanwhile, outside with our lovers, Sam and Austin walk through the garden. And yeah, it does look like there was a wedding there very recently. Like there's chairs set up, musicians packing up their things. And we see this gorgeous, gorgeous gazebo covered in flowers and vines. It is truly so beautiful. When I was watching it this time, I did have the active thought to be like, if I ever have a wedding, mm-hmm. I want to show them pictures yeah. of the gazebo yeah. and say, like, I want you to remake the gazebo. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be as OD. Like, there's probably not going to be a fucking candelabra on it. <laughs> but with the floral arrangement, mm-hmm. I think that would be, like, a, a really amazing place to take pictures. Oh, absolutely. To even have your guests take pictures there. Like, mm-hmm. I think that would look so beautiful. You just even look up the gazebo. This mm-hmm. is, like – Top tier gazeboing. A thousand percent. I love a good gazebo. I think I said this in our first episode too, that like gazebos are the most romantic form of architecture. Unless you're in Pretty Little Liars. That's true. Although that is the same, I believe it's the same gazebo as uh, Gilmore Girls because they shot on the same lot. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, because I, I did the Universal Studios tour. Ooh, I have to do that. Or not the Universal Studios, the Warner Brothers lot tour. Um, yeah, it was shortly <laughs> after they had shot uh, A Year in the Life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the most recent thing that they had shot there was Shameless. So, like, the last thing that we saw was, like, some Shameless uh, sets. Movie magic. Yeah, I learned so much. But anyways, gazebos, that's where it's at. They are the best. Um, I think I actually made a TikTok mm-hmm. compilation of, like, a bunch of romantic gazebo moments. So feel free to check it out. So we get to this gazebo. Austin asks Sam to dance, and she's like, but there's no music. He's like, who cares? He just starts going, no music. No music. Just starts scatting. Um, but luckily. Oh, my gosh. That video of um, what's her name? The blonde Kim woman. Cattrall. Like, Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall just. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Look up Kim Patrol scatting, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, luckily, the freelance musicians who just finished, you know, gigging all day at this wedding. Hard work. <laughs> they decide they to go, stick around. Oh, <laughs> two ungrateful teens who probably won't remember our, our names, <laughs> let alone this kind act. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll stick around. I, I would also like t- to fully note that all of the candles mm-hmm. on the gazebo were still lit. Mm-hmm. That's a fire hazard. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. The, the musicians were about to leave and be like, 
buy a gazebo, <laughs> yeah. you know, buy chairs, buy garden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they decide to stick around and play for this young couple. They play I'll Be. Mm. It is a very beautiful moment. And, you know, we have Sam and Austin slow dancing. I do really love the camera work of how it like circles around the gazebo as they're dancing. He at one point like tries to take off her mask slash maybe lean in to kiss her kind of unclear she does pull away but he does go like right back into dancing he's like okay we'll just you know keep on dancing and he asks her do you believe in love at first sight and she says i'll let you know so he wonders you know how he could have seen her before and not recognize her now and she's like well maybe you were looking but you weren't really seeing correct correct (laughs) (laughs) you nailed it You got it. Yeah. So he then picks a flower for her from this gazebo. It is clearly placed there because it is like a bright pink flower amidst all of the white flowers that are on the gazebo. Mm -hmm. But he hands it to her and asks her one last question. Does she feel like she made the right choice meeting him here tonight? And she says, I do. And she asks if he wants to see her again after tonight. And he says – Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. But then – What happens next? Her freaking phone starts going off. No. And Sam has to rush to make her curfew. She thanks Austin and tells him this was the most amazing night. And she's like, I have to go. I'm late. And he asks, for what? And she says, reality. (laughs) For what? My shift. (laughs) Back inside the dance. Mrs. Wells is about to announce homecoming king and queen Mm. or prince and princess, whatever. Yeah. Sam is searching for Carter. She needs to get out, go back to the diner. Mrs. Wells announces Prince Charming and Cinderella. (gasps) Whoa. Oh, my God. Austin is just searching around for her and sees her rushing up the steps. So he tries to run over, catch up with her. And he realizes she dropped her phone. (gasps) But by the time he gets outside, Sam is gone. So Sam, you know, obviously has had to pull Carter away from Shelby. They were making out hardcore. She Mm -hmm. is obsessed with him, not knowing again who it is because apparently – uh, people have face blindness at this school. I don't know what it is. Everyone. I, I do agree that his costume was a little more concealed, yeah. but boy, Sam. oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so they rush off to the car and they kind of both like gush about her, their like evenings. And Sam is like, I almost kissed Austin Ames. And he's like, I totally kissed Shelby. And they get in the car and Carter is like, so what did he say when he found out it was you? And she's like, well, actually, I didn't really tell Mm -hmm. him that it was me. Didn't do it, love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because she thinks that she's not going to be what he expects. She thinks that he's expecting Malibu Barbie or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. You've been given no clues to that in your conversations with him, which clearly are more true to his actual personality. But also, Austin kind of sucks, so I don't blame her for not having faith in him. I'm just picturing if, when I was in high school, this happened to me, and it was like the popular guy in school who was class president and also on the football team. Mm. (laughs) 
and also had a popular girlfriend. Mm. So that's like a real, yeah. that's a real American trope, friends. <laughs> but like if I like messaged them and had this type of conversation, mm. I I would literally, I'm like thinking about it now. I'm like, I would not show my face. But also because I know this person, right. like we had classes together and stuff. Mm. Like they, they knew who I was generally. Right. But I guess Austin knows who Sam is too. Yeah. It's just complicated. It's a little fucking it weird. Also, is. I feel like you can't just Okay. I <laughs> I'm like I'm the meme where it's like butterfly in the sky. <laughs> like how did it happen? They have so many people at their school. Yeah, it's a huge school. I do get in that regard. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm getting off it on a tangent. I'm just like the face blindness. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, truly. So we then see Brianna and Gabriella get picked up by Fiona, who's like, where are your prizes? Winners get prizes. <laughs> They're like, we didn't win, Mom. Some girl took it from us. And she's like, I'm very, very upset about this. But obviously <laughs> she cannot show any emotion because she just got her Botox retouched. At like 11 p.m. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sure. I am very, very, very (laughs) upset about this. (laughs) Little back alley Botox uh, late night appointment. She got a BBL (laughs) in the alley. Oh, my gosh. So Carter then pulls up next to them, and the twins see Sam, and they're like, oh, my God. So they start, you know, trying to get Fiona's attention. Sam ducks. Obviously, when Fiona looks over, there's nobody there. Mm -hmm. But the girls insist to their mom that Sam was in the car. And she's like, Sam is working tonight. She would never disobey me. So they all drive back to the diner. Sam is asking Carter if he thinks that, you know, Fiona saw her. And he's like, no, but the Olsen twins might have. And obviously, Sam and Carter are in Carter's dad's car, his Mercedes. So Carter mm-hmm. is driving very cautiously. He's like, I'm yeah. going 38 and a 35. That's already pushing it. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, back in Fiona's car, the twins are still nagging Fiona on like how they need to step on it so they can beat Sam back to the diner. And Gabriella just fully puts her foot on the gas. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Fiona's like doesn't even care. She's like, yo, I know that Sam's there. Yeah. We'll get there when we get there. Chill the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And Gabriella's like, soon is not soon enough. For the fucking pedal to the metal, baby. Yeah. So it's like a mad dash. We see them like zooming down the street because not only have they has she, you know, put her foot on the gas, but it's now stuck. So extremely dangerous. We end up seeing Fiona and the twins arrive to a screeching halt at the diner and Fiona's uh, face finally unfreezes. She can like kind of move it a little bit again. (laughs) So Fiona walks into the diner and tells Rhonda, Sam better be here. And Rhonda's like, oh, uh, Fiona, Fiona, I I really want to get my breasts done. You know, where'd you get your breasts? And she's like, San Diego. (laughs) And moves her out of the way. Eleanor rolls up and she's like, Fiona, have you noticed how shiny the floors are since we switched to Mr. Clean? Fiona moves past her. Bobby's like, Fiona, 
I'm so glad you're here because Nemo is no more. The fish, <laughs> it's dead. <laughs> With the j- biggest fucking salmon you've ever seen in a your gigant, life. <laughs> like a million dollar salmon. Mm-hmm. I can only hope that that was a prop because it must be. It was a huge piece of yeah. huge fish. Mm-hmm. So everyone just like blather, 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 distract Fiona. Fiona takes her little kitten purse and <laughs> slams it on the counter and she goes, enough. When I find Sam, I'm going to ring her. Ding, ding. What happens? Ding, ding. Order up. Sam with her little fucking pancake batter face <laughs> is making salmon pancakes and she's like, oh, I was just, you know, working on my cooking skills. And Bobby is like, yeah, uh, I was showing how to, her how to make salmon pancakes. <laughs> I do really love the character of Bobby. I yeah. want him to have his own spinoff. <laughs> and Fiona tells them that something stinks and it's not the fish. And I would hope not because a stinky fish actually means the fish is bad. Exactly. So, yeah. so they leave and Carter um, – we switch back to Carter's view – he backs out of the parking lot. Fiona pulls out too. They almost collide, but Carter avoids them by a hair. Um, he gets out to take a look at the car because he got really, really close to the pole that the sign is on. Mm-hmm. But no damage to the car. He's like, whoa, today must be my lucky day. But then he looks up and sees the Fiona's sign wobbling wavering back and forth and just comes Uh, crashing. It's just smashing mm -hmm. the shit out of the Mercedes. Sparks are flying and not in a good way. Yeah. I would hope, though, that the insurance would cover that. I would assume. That's like an act of God is what they would say. Mm -hmm. So the next day at school, we obviously find out that Carter is grounded for the rest of his life. Duh. And Sam tells him that she decided she's not going to reveal her identity to Austin. Oh, wow. She's like, you know what? It's fine. He probably forgot all about it. It's not like he's going to be pining for me. Totally. Cut to the hallway, (laughs) covered in flyers. That's absolutely (laughs) plastered. Yeah. Austin has spent hours making and putting up flyers. He's spent his entire college fund Mm -hmm. printing out flyers yeah yeah there's even like a little drawing so yes this is what pisses me off too you remember (laughs) what she looks like enough to do a fucking witness drawing of her an outline (laughs) yeah but you can't recognize her with her facial features right in front of you i'm worried about this dude i am too i'm true i truly am so Carter's like, well, clearly he's not forgotten about you. Meanwhile, we see Austin continuing to put up flyers. David is like, why are you going through all this trouble for one chick? And he's like, she's not just a chick, man. She's real. Like, she cares more about real stuff than hair. And Yeah, she likes Big Macs and yeah. literature. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan's like oh, why don't you just use her phone to figure out who she is? But the phone is locked and all he can see are texts coming in saying, I need you. Come see me now. (laughs) Come fix the fryer. And so David is like, oh, that's hot and kinky. Pound me. (laughs) Pound me. Yeah, it's so cringe. Yeah. Um, Yeah, even in 2004, I guess people had locks on their flip phones. Yeah. 
So Sam is trying to hide her face with her hair. I'm when I tell you he'll never recognize you, mm-hmm. he will never fucking recognize you. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Carter is like, you know, are you gonna tell him? Da da da. And Sam tells Carter it's better to cling to what might have been rather than ruin it with reality. She's like obsessed with reality. I'm like, mm-hmm. sweetie, I gave up reality a long time ago. <laughs> I'm living in my own reality now. <laughs> yeah. She just um is like, I have to avoid him until graduation, and then you know, I'll never have to see him again. Aren't you both going to Princeton? Mm-hmm. Didn't you meet in a Princeton chat room to yeah. both attend the same university? Mm-hmm. Which you are graduating a year early to go to? To attend? Yeah. The fuck? That aside, uh, she asks Carter when he's going to tell, oh, maybe Sam thinks that Austin Ames won't get into Princeton. Mm, that's kind yeah. of a funny, that's a funny perspective. <laughs> so she asks Carter when he's going to tell Shelby his identity. And she's like, the day that you tell Shelby is the day that I'll tell Austin. Here's a little, just like a little tidbit, right? <laughs> Ryan and David keep talking to Austin. They tell him that maybe he needs to look through the yearbook again. Maybe mm. he's missed something. Mm-hmm. But Austin says, there's no way he missed her. Like, we had a connection. <laughs> and then, to put a cherry on top, he walks down the hallway, okay? Walks, you know, right down the hallway. Sam, parallel. Parallel in the hallway. Mm-hmm. They make Eye contact. Mm-hmm. Austin looks away. <laughs> he looks away. He he breaks the eye contact. He literally eye to eye. Mm-hmm. They see each other. Their faces. He was looking, but he was not seeing. Actually, yeah. yeah. Because like obviously, I get you know we're confined to the parameters of Cinderella, right? That whole storyline. I get it. I get it. I get it. Maybe give her a full mask. Like, I just don't even know. Or, like, you could even have him, like, he could look at her. A wig, even. He could do, like, a double take. And, like, we could see, like, the the seeds being planted. The gears turning, perhaps. And then maybe, like, the rest of the time, it's, like, him trying to figure out if it actually is her. Mm. That would at least give us something other than, like, this dude is a fucking idiot. (laughs) He's just stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Let me rewrite the movie. Stares right at her. Nah. Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> so meanwhile, at the, the pool at this school, which actually reminded me a lot of the pool in Easy A. Oh, yeah. Which also has totally. one of the same cast members, too. Mm-hmm. But we see Shelby and her friends. They are gushing. Or not they. Shelby is gushing about Zorro. She's like, he was so mysterious. But also certain. He was so dangerous, but also tame, like all this stuff. And then they're just like, oh my fucking God. She seems like like the most insufferable person. Absolutely. Yeah. Even like one of her friends is like, okay, enough. Like, stop talking about this. And there and she's like, oh, somebody's a little bit jealous. So Carter goes up to Shelby and is like, Shelby, baby, what's up? And she's like, what the fuck? Who are you? 
and mm-hmm. he grabs her hand and he's like she's like about to report him yeah to the authorities yeah he like <laughs> grabs her hand and starts kissing it he's like maybe this will jog your memory and you know reveals that he is zorro shelby is horrified and turns to her friends and madison's like oh yeah that's the guy you cheat off of in algebra 2 and she's like oh my god so she pulls carter aside (laughs) and she's like you know last night i had a really bad cold and i drank a whole bottle of nyquil i just wasn't myself a whole i tried to kill myself last night (laughs) yeah she's like drinking lean at the fucking halloween I drank a whole bottle of NyQuil, and then I followed it with um, a bottle of aspirin and some vodka. Yeah. Like, so she's like, I wasn't myself. Besides, we are from completely different classes of human. I don't think she understands biology very well. No. What an insane thing to say to somebody. You don't get it. We're both rich, but I'm pretty, and you're not. <laughs> You're not like, hot. I in think Carter's like at least middle class. Like his dad oh, yeah. has a very nice car. Mm-hmm. His dad he has purchased three, three cars. Yeah, I think yes. Carter's doing well. So <laughs> Carter's decimated. He is destroyed, and to make matters worse, he is then splashed by a fuck ton of pool water because the twins have mm-hmm. fallen off the diving board. So he's dripping wet. He goes back over to Sam. He's like, if she thinks she's still cheating off of me, she's crazy. And Sam is like, well, I am not saying a single fucking word to Austin now. Yeah. Yeah. Played yourself. Mm -hmm. But what's Austin up to, you might ask? Oh, well, his friends David and Ryan have gathered a group of girls, just anyone who will agree, Mm -hmm. to start playing the Bachelorette game. And... What happens is uh, they sit Austin down at the friendship circle. The first girl goes up. Uh, just to get a few random facts about her. Austin's like, yeah, that that wasn't her. Like, next. Another girl goes, next. Finally, Austin's like, okay, stop. You know, you're beautiful, but I'm not your prince. You'll meet him someday, but he's not me. And I'm like, shut the fuck Relax. up. Relax. <laughs> It's not that deep. Number one. Also, and it's not like he would be able to recognize if it was her anyways. So. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Whatever. So Mrs. Wells comes up and she's like, David, what the hell are you up to? You're a bad boy, David. And that's a terrible shirt. And then she turns to Ryan yeah. and says, hi, Ryan. And I'm like, what? Are you two like having a thing? Yeah. What is that? Someone investigate that. Yeah, what is this little throwaway moment that is just that tete a tete? <laughs> and Ryan looks like he's like looking away. I'm yeah. just so confused about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at the Montgomery house, Fiorna. Fiorna. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the Montgomery house, Fiona. <laughs> Lord. It's so hard. Sometimes it's like I just dip into my Australian accent and I like can't even help myself. No, I'm our no. So back at the Montgomery house. I'm thinking of the TikTok where it's like you're sentenced to a life in prison, shrug, and you can never do a British accent again. No. Just give me beans on toast as my last meal. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's truly my favorite thing. Um, 
But yes, back at the house, Fiona is sorting through the mail. And what does she find? Sam's Mm. acceptance letter to Princeton. Whoa. And she's like, oh, this won't do. Sam walks in asking for, you know, if there's any mail for her. And she's like, yeah, actually, there's a signed personalized check here from Ed McMahon. You won a million dollars. Just a low <laughs> Fucking blow. nasty. Nasty. <laughs> nasty. This nasty bitch, Fiona. Horrible. So Sam goes up to her room and she's actually continuing to get IMs from Nomad. Like, I feel like that would encourage you mm-hmm. to reveal yourself. Yeah. And he's like, I can't keep my mind off of you. She is actually about to type her name when Brianna bursts in. She's like, so have you finished my um, report for school? And Sam is like, I am working on it. And she's like, okay, just like – do it quickly because like it, I get nervous when I have to wait for it. She's like, imagine how nervous you'd be if you actually did it yourself. She's like, like, I know, Whoa. right? <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. So Fiona calls out for Sam through the intercom and she's like, all right, closes the IM, goes downstairs. While she's gone, Brianna takes this opportunity to snoop through her computer, sees her emails, realizes Sam is Cinderella. And what else happens? Oh, good thing Gabrielle is in the background digesting all mm-hmm. of this information as well. Yeah. You can't leave that little email Log inbox out. open. L-O-G-O-U-T. We've seen it time and time again. You got to mm-hmm. log out. Yeah. Wild child, mm-hmm. done. Yeah. Log out, turn the computer off, unplug it. Unplug it. Yeah. Delete it. Um, use a, a fucking one of those things that's like it sets like a fire on your files like after you log out. <laughs> yeah. Go in incognito mode for everything. Incognito mode. Only incognito mode. So then we cut back to Big Andy's car wash where Austin has received his Princeton acceptance letter. And, you know, quickly hides it when his dad comes over and he's like, Oh, Austin, like Something on your mind, pal, you know? I bet I know what it is. You're wondering if USC is the right school for you. And Austin's like, actually, yeah, I I have been having some doubts. And dad's like, well, don't worry. (laughs) It is. Don't worry about it. You are making the right choice here, pal. (laughs) Well, I'll answer that for you right now. Yeah. Correct choice. It is the correct choice. Mm Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Gabriella has driven herself to the car wash to tell Austin that she is Cinderella. Brianna has also done the same. They're both, you know, practicing, reciting the words from Sam's emails. So Brianna gets to Austin first. She tells him that she is Cinderella. Gabriella is like, not on my fucking watch. So she goes over to interrupt. She's like, actually, that's so funny because I'm Cinderella. So they, you know, fight, they bicker over it, and Austin is like, ladies, ladies, ladies. Austin's like, it could be either one of you. I can't remember a face to save my Mm -hmm. goddamn life. (laughs) Yeah. Height, build, no clue. Hair color? Not relevant. Couldn't tell you. So he's like, the Cinderella that I met dropped something on her way out. What was it? And Gabriella's like, oh, a wallet. 
And he says no. And she's like, I mean, a wallet purse. He's like, no. And Brianna goes, oh, a fish. And so, you know, they start bickering. He Austin just walks off because, you know, this is ridiculousness. They fight and they end up going through the car wash, mm-hmm. getting their shit fucking rocked. Uh, whoever's Buffed car. out, waxed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the wax looks pretty gnarly. I assume it must yeah. be like wigs that they made because their hair is like slicked up. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Cut to Sam at the diner. Austin comes in. Rhonda sees and she's like, oh, like go talk to him. Everyone, you know, supports her going up to talk to him. And she comes up to Austin to see if she can get him something. And he's like, you know what bugs me? <laughs> Um, people taking like, your order. This is a Wendy's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ma'am. I can only do so much in the drive-through. Um, and he's like, no. Uh, taking people's orders. He's like, as a white man in America, it's so mm. hard to for me. No, yeah. but he's like, you know, I don't like taking people's orders. Whatever. Sam asks him why he would do that. And Austin says she doesn't know his dad, like, and looks at the menu, sees it's sushi and donuts. It's weird. (laughs) An eclectic array. So he's like, I'll just have a coffee. She pours him a coffee. And Austin asks her if she ever feels like um, if she showed someone who she really was, they wouldn't accept her. And Sam is like, yes. Uh Uh-huh. I know exactly how that feels actually almost to a T and he's like, like being yourself isn't good enough. Like you're wearing a mask. Like that's how I feel. Oh shit. Hold on. Um, and she says like being yourself isn't good enough. Like you're wearing a mask and Austin's like, yes, like you nailed it. That's exactly how I feel. And not even an inkling that this might be the girl. Not even asking her, you know, Oh, how did you experience that? You know, what was your father like? Oh, my condolences. I don't even fucking know. But he doesn't ask a single question about this girl. So Sam is about to tell the truth. She's like opening her mouth to speak. And Fiona barges in and yells for her. She's like, we need to talk now. And she's like, Fiona, one minute. And she's like, no, now. And Austin's like, oh, no worries. I have to dip anyway. Motherfucker. <laughs> How many times? Yeah. So he gets up to go, but before he leaves, he does say, thank you, Sam. And at this point, we are both wondering, mm-hmm. how the fuck would you not know? Yeah. At this point, how the fuck? I can only suspend my disbelief so far. Mm-hmm. And they are pushing me. They're pushing me too far. Pushing to the (laughs) limit. limit. (laughs) So after this, you know, intimate little diner moment, we go back to school. We once again have our daily drought reminder from Astrid the announcer girl. What does she say? Like only flush for number two? Yeah, something like that. And that's when we pan over to Gabriella and Brianna 
and they are telling their version of the Sam Austin, Mm -hmm. you know, love story, saying that Sam concocted this whole plan to steal Austin away from her. And they're like, we wanted to tell you sooner, but she threatened to kill us. She's evil. What a crazy thing to say. Yeah. And then they show Shelby the emails and she's like, well... That little boyfriend stealer thinks that she can pull a fast one on me. We'll see about that. So that – is it that morning? I guess the next morning. I don't know. Oh, it's some At point. some point, <laughs> Brianna hands Astrid an announcement that she says is from Austin. And the announcement says that Austin wants to rendezvous with his princess after the pep rally. The bell rings and Sam tells Carter – that she talked to Austin as herself and she has decided to tell him after the pep rally. So they, you know, go to the pep rally and the pep rally is filled with pep. Let me tell you, there are cheerleaders cheerleading. Um, You know, Sam is watching the show with Carter from the back. Andy sits down behind Austin, who's in his, like, jersey. He's like, I just got off the phone with Hank Cole. If you if you play well on Friday, your future at USC football is sealed. Like, Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. So the coach tells the crowd that the cheerleaders have put together just a little skit to get them in the fighting spirit. And – the cheerleaders begin their skit. They tell the crowd, once upon a time, there was a big, strong fighting frog with a beautiful girlfriend, and his dad owned the biggest pond in all the land. But he still wasn't happy. Mm. And then they just absolutely drop like a bomb. Austin's secret relationship with Princeton Girl 818, and Andy's like, Austin, what are they talking about? And Austin kind of like shrugs him off. They start reading Sam's emails. Sam is near tears. Yeah. And finally, they announce Princeton Girl as Sam Montgomery. Austin whips his head around to look at her. But does he comfort her? Does he say a word? Does he come to her rescue? Does he support her? No. No. He sits there silently like a fucking coward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as everyone is literally chanting diner girl, and he can see yeah, like, her crying. Diner girl, diner yeah. girl. She's been like absolutely humiliated, had like very personal things read. Like they read out a part about her talking about how she's never had her first kiss before. And like, oh my God. This really vulnerable stuff. And he's just like, not my problem. Ooh, that sucks. Yeah. Damn, that sucks. Damn, that sucks. <laughs> Damn, that really sucks. Yeah, it's like I get it. You had, you know, stuff about you read as well. Like, obviously, you didn't want your dad to find out this way, that you didn't want to go to USC, that you wanted to go to Princeton. But, like, let's have some perspective here. They read out the emails and Austin's like, I've been contemplating my sexuality. Mm. Different movie. Yeah, very different movie. So... After having the worst day in the world, Sam goes home. <laughs> she cries on her bed. Ooh, but there's more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You thought that was rock bottom? Guess again. Fiona comes over and she's like, Sam, this came for you in the mail. And it's uh, a fake rejection letter from Princeton that Fiona has written herself. 
Sam is obviously devastated because not only did she not get into this school that she's been working towards getting into since she was eight years old, that also means she is stuck here with her evil stepmother in the valley mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future. And Fiona's like, look on the bright side because you have a job at the diner for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Devastating. Uh, she also offers Sam some cookies and says they're so moist. Mm, and that's moist. It. Mm, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. So we get a sad montage. Maybe we should give a listener a sad montage one day. Mm. Maybe I feel not like we've though. Given, <laughs> I feel like we have given some like, you know, down in the dumps, but pick yourself back up montages. Yeah. yeah. Sam looks through her box of keepsakes from her dad. She sees a picture of them, the fairy tale book that he would read to. Sorry, that doesn't make any sense. The fairy tale book that um, he would read to her th- throws that shit across the room. Um, Sam walks through the hall at school. Everyone is making fun of her. Austin, again, doing absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah. Shelby goes up to him and says, people like her don't belong in our world, Austin. What? People like what? Like what kind of – is this like a socioeconomic is it, thing? Is this like – it's not yeah, like she's – I don't know. Geeky? Like she's just kind of like low like, key? I guess she has straight A's, but like they both got into Princeton. Yeah. I'm just confused. I mean, maybe she doesn't like care about her look as much. Yeah. She's more of a tomboy, I, really I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Austin uh, is in his room. He starts composing an email to Sam, but he deletes it because he's a coward. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just like I can't imagine not saying anything to her. Like whatever. Maybe you're not going to go and you know comfort her or whatever, but you haven't said a single thing to this girl. And I assume like at least a week or so passes in this time, at least a few yeah, days. I, I am wondering. I'm like – that's crazy he sucks so the next thing we know we go back to the diner and sam is on her hands and knees scrubbing the floors and Rhonda's like what are you doing like not right now but like what are you doing with your life and sam is like i'm diner girl i'm doing what diner girls do and Rhonda reminds her that she has a whole family here that loves her and they have faith in her and she should have faith in herself. Yeah. The twins then come in, slamming the door, and this causes the pink guitar on the wall above the cash register to fall off, ripping the wallpaper down with it. So they immediately blame Sam the second that Fiona walks in. <clears throat> And Sam looks at that wall behind the wallpaper. And what is on it? The Babe Ruth quote, as yeah, I have learned. <laughs> Never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. And this is all Sam needed to get the courage to finally put her foot down. She has had mm-hmm. enough and she quits on the spot. She says, I quit this job, I quit your family, and I'm moving out. You know what, Fiona? You can mess with your hair and your nose and your face. You can even mess with my dad's diner, but you're through messing with me. Hell yeah. 
Rhonda quits too. She's like, the only reason I stuck around as long as I did was to take care of that little girl. But now that she's free of you, there is nothing stopping me from kicking your ass. She says butt because this is like a PG movie. But, you know, <laughs> she would have said ass in in the real world. And then Fiona's like, no, go after the girls. My face is newer than theirs. Go after the girls. Yeah. <laughs> Great parenting. And Sam's like, you know what, Rhonda? She's not even worth it. Everybody else at the diner also quits. They walk out, followed by all the customers. Hell yeah. Later on that day, Sam moves in with Rhonda, and she tells her she hasn't felt this at home in such a long time. You can see Sam kind of like have a thought come to her mind, and she tells Rhonda there's something she needs to do tonight and not to wait up for her. Um, What's that TikTok? It's like she – uh, she doesn't walk. She struts, Mama. Well, Sam struts into the men's locker room in her low-rise jean, one hand in the pocket, yeah. Hillary Duff-esque style, mm-hmm. ready to call Austin Ames TF out. Mm-hmm. She says, no, you listen You turned out to be exactly who I thought you were. I never pretended to be somebody else. It's been me all along. And it was me who was hurt in front of everybody. I didn't come here to yell at you, okay? I came to tell you that I know what it feels like to be afraid to show who you are. I was, but I'm not anymore. And the thing is, I don't care what people think about me because I believe in myself and I know that things are going to be okay. But even though I have no family and no job and no money for college, it's you that I feel sorry for. Heads up, yo. Five minutes. (sighs) I'm coming. I'm coming. (laughs) I know that guy that sent those emails is somewhere down inside of you. But I can't wait for him. Because waiting for you is like waiting for rain in this drought. Useless and disappointing. And she struts her little stuff, mama, and she storms out. And Austin's like, he bangs on the locker next to him. He's like, it's like, I don't, I can't replicate it. That's not it. This foley work that we have in the studio. We're doing foley, but like we've never done foley. And they're like, okay, now a crash, and we're like. I just smacked my fucking kombucha bottle against my hand to do that sound. Yeah. <laughs> then, then all of a sudden, um, Austin, he bends over, he breaks his back. <laughs> and he says, you know what, Dad? This is what I think about my USC acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, – hold on. Got to put this down and we find another – we are professionals. Uh, hire us to do the sound engineering for your next project. I don't even have anything else in front of me that would be useful. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, obviously this is, you know, an iconic monologue, an amazing moment. Sam has finally, you know, stood up for herself, mm-hmm. uh, confronted shitty, shitty Austin, who has been just like so awful to her in the past few days by literally pretending she doesn't exist. Um, yeah. the When I watched it this time around, I did notice 
so many more uh, times that he could have yeah. um, made himself available to her, just reached out, see if she was okay and stuff. And I'm like, oh, you're, like, not a great person. Especially, like, you're self-centered. Yeah, especially because he's the one who pressured her so much to, like, meet. Reveal her identity. Yeah. And it's just, like, you asked her to reveal her identity. She was reserved mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. And now that it's occurred, it's like, oh, uh, yeah. Fuck. Piss me the fuck off. hmm Yes. So Sam leaves that locker room, and in the hallway, she runs into Carter. Rhonda told Carter that, you know, Sam was going to be here, and he thought that she might need a friend. Very sweet. And he's like, you know, I'm so proud of you, both you doing like Fiona and Austin all in the same day, like gives her a hug. And he asks her how she feels. And she's like, I'll let you know when I catch my breath. And then she's like, let's do something tonight. And he says, well, actually, I was planning on going to the game. And she's like, you know what? I'll go with you. It'll be our first and our last. Like, I can handle it. So as they walk over to the football field, Sam tells Carter that she likes what he's wearing today. Like, what character are you? Because we didn't really talk about it much in this episode, but he's always wearing like a different kind of like Mm -hmm. costume. Like he's wearing like a cowboy cowboy. hat. Yeah, stuff like that. And he's like, today I'm myself. And she says that it's his best look. Uh Oh, so sweet. So before the game begins, Shelby tells her friends that she and Austin are almost back together. The team runs out. Austin is warming up and notices Sam in the crowd. His dad comes up to him to tell him to stay focused and win this. Everyone is counting on him. Very casual. Yes. So then – we get the amazing song, Hear You Me by Jimmy Eat World. Mm-hmm. It's iconic. And, you know, the game, it's happening, the bullfrogs. Like, we, it's a very quick montage of the game okay. happening. I'm going to – let me just take a look at my notes. Because there's only, like, four <laughs> – The game is happening. There's only, like, four or so shots of the game. Like, I was shocked how quick – It's pretty quick it scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a montage of – yeah, there's a montage of the game. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty tough game. Sam keeps watching. Uh, the Bullfrogs are down by four, so they mm. need one touchdown to win. There we go. There we go. Thank you to our sports correspondent, <laughs> Mariah Cruz. Thank you. Back to you, Christina. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but everyone is chanting, Austin, Austin, Austin. So, like, no pressure. Sam tells Carter, like, I thought I could handle this, but I really can't. I need to leave. And he says he'll tell her how it ends. So Sam leaves. She's, you know, making her way through the crowd. And Austin is in a huddle with his team on the field, and he notices her leaving. So he looks to his team, and he says, I'm sorry, and runs off the field. As he's running off the field, the coach is like, what's the problem? Angels bring you home. (laughs) And his dad is like, Austin, what are you doing? You're throwing away your dream. 
No, no dad. dad. I'm throwing away yours. The original coach dad. Exactly. So he tags Ryan in. He's like, it's your game now. Wow. He runs up the stairs, catches up to Sam, and she says, Austin, what are you doing? And he says, something I should have done a long time ago. And they kiss. Uh. And we scream, <laughs> and we have the the shot of that raindrop falling from the sky, and it lands perfectly on Austin's cheek. And they had to shoot this many, many times to get that drop of water to land exactly right. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So it's a raindrop. The drought is finally over in the San Fernando Valley. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm sorry I waited for the rain. And she's like, it's okay. And they kiss again. The frogs win. Everybody's cheering. It's pouring rain. And Carter just goes, you gotta love high school. Love him. He's so sweet. Respectful <laughs> yeah. King Carter. Oh, such a sweetie. Honorary mention for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, did we, what did we nominate? Oh, he got nominated for best friend in last year's oh, Stardazzle. That yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I love this scene. I love Hear You Me. Mm-hmm. I feel like almost like butterflies in my stomach mm-hmm. every time yeah. I watch it. For sure. So epilogue moment so sam packs up the rest of her belongings at fiona's and picks up her fairy tale book which i guess she has left for a while uh, just sprawled out but what does she find her dad's hidden will <gasps> oh yeah sam sells fiona's cars for college tuition money and fiona is like in mad debt okay mm. the da confronts fiona about the will She's like, I've never seen my dead husband's will before and shows her her signature. And she goes, I have never seen my signature on my dead husband's will before. (laughs) She makes a mad dash and Mm -hmm. they have to chase her around the lawn. Basically, everything belongs to Sam. She makes the stepsisters dig through the trash to find Sam's real acceptance letter. Sam restores her dad's diner to its former glory. And Fiona worked out a deal with the DA. She's working her debt to society at the diner under the watchful eye of Sam's new business partner, Rhonda. And the twins are busboys too. So it's like a big fucking mess. It's pretty crazy that like now Sam is a business owner at like 17. Yep. Pretty, pretty wild, I would say. And you know, the last things that we see, Big Andy He came around on Princeton. He's now offering, I think it's like 60% off to Princeton alumni. (laughs) It also says we will discriminate against Yale and Harvard alumni. Yeah. Yeah. It's the details. You know, it's the little things. He also has like a Princeton hat and mug and everything. Uh, We see that our boy Carter booked a commercial, booked and blessed. And he also landed the girl. But which girl? Not Shelby. No, screw Shelby. But Astrid the announcer girl. Yeah. Yeah. Very – she's giving Avril Lavigne. Yeah. I love the the purple highlights. Very into it. Our last moments are with Sam and Austin. They're on Sam's convertible. And, you know, he – uh, gives her her cell phone back finally. He like 
jokingly puts it on her sneaker. <laughs> and she says that they wound up going to Princeton together and lived happily ever after. At least for now. Hey, I'm only a freshman. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and that is a Cinderella story. Just, I could watch it again. Oh, yeah. You know? I actually, because I, a lot of the movies that we do, I don't tend to like rewatch them after we've done them because I feel like I've like satiated some sort of like need for it because like we spend so much time talking about it. Yeah. But I did rewatch a Cinderella story actually when I was at your place in New York because we did a guest episode on another mm -hmm. podcast where we talked about a Cinderella story. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But since then, I hadn't seen it since we first did it for the pod. And it was really nice to like get to rewatch it again and then it notice like additional details that I'd never picked up on. Um, especially because mm -hmm. now that we've been doing this for almost two years, I feel like I'm so much more intentional with like the movies that I watch compared to when we first started. Yeah. I do feel like one of the things that I really like about the movie, mm -hmm. especially watching it this time, yeah. just like me watching it without hearing having to talk to yeah. anyone or whatever. Like I love reminiscing. Mm -hmm. Which also is a greater thing we could talk about, but I do love reminiscing about like when I was younger, mm -hmm. like in high school and like having that like first crush yeah. feelings or like those like butterflies, mm -hmm. getting those like stupid text messages that meant like so much to me. Um, mm -hmm. The nice thing about like teen movies is it's like such a pure, you know, they like each other. They're talking about literature. They don't even, they haven't even gone to college yet. Like they're not even probably aware of what their favorite writer will be. Yeah. It's interesting when I watch movies about like teen romance, because like for like me personally, I didn't date in high school at all. So like I never had like a teen romance. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I did so much of like living through like vicariously through these movies. Yeah. And when I watch them now, um, this is actually something that our friend Christina said when we were watching To All the Boys I've Loved Before of like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm never going to have young love like that has like passed because we're not like, you know, kids anymore. Yeah. Um, so there is like a slight twinge of like sadness when I do watch these movies. But, you know, there's nothing I can do that's, you know, just the way that my life has turned out. And that's totally fine. Yeah. But it is interesting always, like, looking back on these teen movies that I loved as a kid and that I even continued to watch as a teenager now that I'm an adult. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, like, really cool how watching these movies in different points of your life really changes your perspective on them um, and, like, how the narrative lands with you. Definitely. I think that – also thinking about like that teen romance and stuff, something I always like yearned for with because I did date someone in high school, like I always wanted to do like really big gestures like for Valentine's Day, I printed out like, like a lot of little like Tumblr heart Valentine thingies and put it in his locker like mm -hmm. shit like that. But the thing is like, for example, to all the boys I've loved before, like I never, like, got near that amount of, like, romance in a high school relationship. Like, the thing about the movies is that I feel like – unless you had a very thoughtful boyfriend, which, I mean, <laughs> can't relate. But, like, it is an idealized version of that mm. teenage romance. Yeah. I would have loved to have, like – actually, I don't even know. I I don't regret anything 
really, because I think that things happen the way they happen. Yeah. And, you know, I'm happy with where I am now, but I definitely feel like, yeah, there is, even though I did have like that romance or that like, you know, partner at the time, like I never had, I never went on dates. Like we didn't go on dates. It wasn't like we would go in his car and like go somewhere and stuff like that. Like, and I do get kind of jealous of that where it's like, oh yeah, like that, those two, they're totally like, Mm -hmm. they go out or like, oh yeah, they're going to go to this dance together. Like the normal shit that feels very like American-esque. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like we're both like successful w- women, and it's just it is nice though to rem- I'm like <laughs> <laughs> babbling now, but I I do love this movie. I think it's really innocent. It has two actors mm-hmm. that I love, and I could really watch it any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is it is really enjoyable watch. I think it's like the pacing of it like if we're just looking at it like as a movie is like good mm-hmm. the plot obviously it's like a it's a fun take on cinderella especially for like i think my favorite remake this one in the brandy cinderella yeah i think so especially of the ones that we've covered because we've done this one brandy cinderella and ever after are those the cinderellas that we've done oh yeah we did ever after i think that's it mm-hmm. yeah because we didn't do the selena one we haven't done the Camilla one. We haven't done the Lily James one. There's many Cinderella's still for us to cover. Oh my gosh. There are a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that we we tend to do like a Cinderella every year. Who knows what next year's will be. We'll have to we'll have to find the next uh, Cinderella for us to cover. Mm-hmm. But it was really fun getting to revisit this movie especially after having done so many movies since and you know. Yeah. We've definitely grown and improved since <laughs> Doing the yeah. first episode. <laughs> really a different perspective, I would say. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm glad that we got to do this special 100th movie episode. You know what this reminds me of? When Taylor, like, you know how she's re-releasing her masters? Mo and Christina's version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a Cinderella story in parentheses, Mo and Ooh, Christina's is that version. what I should title the episode? <laughs> I think that'd be a really funny title. Because I'm just going to title it a Cinderella story, like, 100th movie edition or something like that. But I, I will put it as Mo and Christina's version. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So what would you rate it? Mm, oh my gosh. I don't even remember what we rated it last time. I think we started pretty conservatively. I think we only gave it like a six or something. Oof. Damn. Because we didn't want to, you know, hit our ceiling too quick. <laughs> Little but... did we know, there's no fucking <laughs> metrics on the no. way that we rate anything. <laughs> we just know that we underrated High School Musical too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, We go with the heart. Um, yeah. And for me, I'm thinking... Uh, Somewhere between an eight and a nine, somewhere in there. Ooh, I'm gonna go nine point five. Mm. I really like this movie. I am a huge Hillary Duff. Can't speak. Mm-hmm. Huge Hillary Duff stan. Mm-hmm. After listening, can't speak. After watching the movie, I really wanted to um, listen to some of her albums too mm. because there are a couple of her hits in yeah. there. Yeah, I just think Hillary Duff is super endearing. I think mm-hmm. the story is really. Well thought out. Yeah. Um, aside from Chad Michael Murray not being able to recognize <laughs> anyone. But yeah. <laughs> I do think it's like really entertaining and it, yeah. it just has all the aspects that I love in a 
in a series, including some great performances. Um, yeah, we have some really, you know, heartfelt moments. We have some funny moments. Truly, mm-hmm. what more could you ask for in a high school rom-com? Uh, it's really well done. And I really look forward to like this rom-com renaissance that we are on the precipice of do you want to uh plug your playlist oh yeah sure so i made a playlist i'll put the link in uh in our bio and in the show notes i made a playlist called main character in a modern Mm rom-com because the sound of rom-coms now is very different to ones in the early 2000s and when you think of like modern rom-coms it's a lot of like 80s inspired synths and like beats that sound like a heartbeat totally so i have a a bunch of songs in there basically anything that sounds like it could be a sister to dancing on my own by robin is kind of the vibe that we're looking for so some great songs to strut down the street to yeah well thank you so much for listening to this episode i hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did recording it yes i hope you like the Mo and Christina version. Yes. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow along at Movies That Raised Us on Instagram. You can send us a good old-fashioned email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. Yes, you can also follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us Pod. And you can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. Well... I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.